The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I mean, it is a, well, it's a little humid, but, you know, it's almost summertime. So we're going to be talking about gardening the next morning. Um, this Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly program we call the Gestalt Gardener. I'm your host, horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our producer is an awesome Java Chapman. We're going to have fun for the next hour or so. So coming up today's pre-solstice slash Father's Day broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up on what you can be doing in your southern garden share a few interesting emails and uh, some really really cheesy music coming up which i adore being able to do here every week at mpb but most importantly because we are live here at mpb i'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden live program folks sit back we'll do some news and come back with an informal party we call the gestalt garden this is an mpb think radio podcast To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Hey, Java, you think I came up with some extra cheesy music today or what? Yeah, like I said, you, um... I don't know where you find this stuff, but you find it. <laughs> uh, it sort of sticks to me a little bit. By the way, if I seem a little bit woohoo this morning, had a wonderful experience this past week. I was had some guys over uh, putting in a patio for me. I had a wooden deck and it was starting to rot. And I had to replace it, decided to go with some flagstone to give me more area and, you know, easier to keep clean and all that stuff. But we were moving some of my junk, and one was an old stained glass window leaning up against the house. And so I picked it up because I'm, you know, stained glass. I don't want these, you know, guys to be carrying my stained glass. And I picked it up, and I was waddling across the yard, and I didn't realize that it had a wasp nest under the edge of it, and I was holding it against my stomach. <laughs> and those wasps were saying, you know, what, what, you know, we're just, we're just here hanging out in our, in our, our castle. And all of a sudden, it's pushed up against the... Anyway, long story short, I, I had what looked like a miniature beer belly on top of my beer belly. So they, they got you. Oh, they got me. And I couldn't drop it and run because of the stained glass window. Yeah, you were trying to... You should <laughs> you should have let the other guys handle it, trying to be, trying to be Mr. <laughs> yep. Well, I was... Uh, you know, I had uh, one of those woo-hoo moments. I'm thinking, you know, not all woo-hoo moments are great. But this was actually great. It just wasn't a positive one. So anyway, woo-hoo, y'all. We're going to be talking about a lot of different kind of stuff, folks, t- today uh, related to gardening and outdoors and farmers markets and stuff like that. But if you've got some questions, it's a live program, so give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm horticulturist rushing, Felder rushing, and I don't sell anything. I don't sell nothing. So if you have a question or a, or an issue or a problem, want to talk about it, you know, I, I can go in any direction you want to go. If I got a question. Yeah, man. Before we get to the uh, phones, it's Father's Day coming up. Yep. You know, Mother's Day is the big, big, big day. Well, Those, not for, you know, you and me. We're going to be treated <laughs> like kings, right? Something like that. Yeah. Do uh, do fathers get flowers? What, what, what You know, what's a good a good flower to give to dad? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I tell you what, why don't we throw that out to, to, uh, to our listeners? I think maybe like a cactus or something. I'm, I'm thinking maybe, you know, uh, I, I know I want a beer bush. You know, you plant it, and in a, every couple of three weeks, you know, it's got grows beer on it. I don't know, maybe not. I don't know if it'd be bottled or canned or whatever. A beer bush, that's what I want. Anyway, let's go down to Gulfport and talk with Matt. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So far, so good. What's up? Okay, we're uh, we're building a house here in Gulfport, and um, the lot that we're building on has never had a home on it. In fact, the neighbors have told me it was a wooded lot prior to Katrina. And there's several live oaks on the property. Uh-huh. We're, we plan to landscape with things, the usual things, cast iron plant and what have you, because yeah. we have a lot of shade. Yeah. My question is how how to plant around those mature oaks without damaging the root system, or should I do some sort of retaining wall and just put dirt in? Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, have y'all started building the house yet? 
It's, it's going to be started in about two weeks. Okay. While they're building it, uh, go ahead, before they get started, put you some stakes and some bright orange tape all the way around the outer spread of the branches so they don't so the workers don't park their pickup trucks or any of that kind of stuff because anything you do to compact the soil around those roots uh you know the feeder roots they're way out under the outer spread of the branches and actually beyond uh but if you get you know do too much compaction under there or fill dirt that'll kill those roots Okay. So uh, do whatever you can to protect, you know, and, and they I know how hot it is. You know, I've had contractors over all week, and I was out there with them making sure that they did it the way I wanted it done. And, and it's uh, it's hot out there, but if they park their trucks under your live oak trees, good chance they're going to do some serious damage. Good tip. Now, as far as, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't do any filling. You can fill in with some sandy soil because, you know, the reason roots are shallow on these kind of trees is because they can't breathe down deep. They they grow where they get both moisture and air. And if you cover up with some topsoil, that can suffocate some of those roots before they have a chance to grow new roots in the shallower stuff. So what I would do is, is pick a few places here and there in between the roots, you know, with a hand shovel and work up the dirt, add just a little stuff to that and plant there rather okay. than, than, than filling in with a bunch of dirt under mature trees. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate your help. That's the start. Hey, shoot me an email. Let's kick around some ideas and some stuff. Cast iron plant and monkey grass are your best bets under under okay. live oak trees, but there's some other cool stuff that grow on the coast, too. Sounds great. You have a good one now. Okay, Matt, stay cool. All right. Bye-bye. And when I stay cool, I mean stay cool. I got an email from, let me see if I got it right here, <clears throat> where she is. Uh, yeah, Heather Riley. She moved to Grand Bay, Alabama from Tucson. Wow. And she's having a little trouble adapting to our kind of not as hot heat but humidity that kicks her tails the kind where you feel like you need to shower even though you just had one anyway she wanted to know what does sun mean when they say sun plants or shade plants and it's pretty much the same thing as tucson except i've been to tucson a whole bunch and their shade is not that shady um by the way, they're one of the coolest little botanic gardens in the country is in Tucson. Uh, but anyway, she wanted to know what does sun mean. And uh, my definition is direct sunshine, the kind that will give you a sunburn in the middle of the day for more than three or four hours. So, you know, a lot of shade plants can take morning sun or late afternoon sun, uh, but uh, sun plants need at least six or seven hours, eight or more, of really direct sunshine. Shade plants will only take a little morning sun, a little afternoon sun. That's pretty much it. Uh, let's go uh, to Madison. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Good. What's up? Hey, listen, uh, I've got some beets that I'm growing in raised bed gardens. And tell you, I, I'm growing them from seed. Uh-huh. To tell you the truth, I don't remember exactly when I threw those seeds out, but they're just now getting to where they look like beets. You know, yeah. they're like a racquetball size or, or so. But the thing is, they're growing like almost entirely above ground. Is yeah. that normal? I expected yeah. them to be up below ground. No, uh, beet, beet roots are not really roots. They're swollen stems. And beets and turnips and onions actually grow better partly out or in entirely out of the ground. So, you know, that it, it matter of fact, you know, when they grow them commercially, you know, they'll if it's a loose dirt, they'll grow down. But, you know, if the, if the dirt's pretty heavy or stays wet, then it'll, you know, it's like it's like the leaves are sending stuff down the roots and it hits that little hard dirt area and it just swells out on top. Sort of like a, a an old hose or a balloon or something. <laughs> uh, and, but let me throw this out there, Mark. It's getting really hot for beets. Beets are great in the fall and the late winter, but as soon as it gets hot, a lot of these leafy greens, uh, beets and lettuce, can can taste kind of bitter. So if you've got some that are size of racquetballs, I'd go in and start start uh, eating them as soon as you can. Yeah, okay. That, that was another part, another thing I was going to ask you there, because like I said, I don't remember exactly when I put these out, but I was really thinking that they'd be to this stage, like, back during the cool weather, and they just didn't get there. Yeah, well, you know, and, and this is kind of an oddball thing, being here in the south. Uh, I spent a lot of time in, in extreme northern climates. You know, the same England is the same latitude in Nova Scotia, and they grow stuff over the summertime that we grow in the wintertime. But, you know, they grow better in, you know, in, in cool weather, not cold or hot. And uh, so, is it, you know, we have to grow these kind of things in that little window between winter and summer, you know, in the fall and the, and the spring to get the most out of them. So, yeah. 
Oh, it, hey, let me let me let me tell you a, a little short little story here. Um, I'd ask you one time, uh, changing the subject, one time about growing raspberries. Uh-huh. I've been growing raspberries ever, trying to grow raspberries ever since I've lived here. How's that and working with, out? Yeah, with with very little success, and uh, I discovered that uh, benign neglect seems to be the, <laughs> the, the best strategy. The, I finally just gave up on them and quit taking care of them all together. And lo and behold, I've actually got some raspberries out there this year. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that's what it takes. You know, raspberries, the problem is they grow in the mountains. You know, we've got some that developed here in the south, but it's always up in the mountains of Arkansas or, or like that. But they like a little bit cooler weather, and they tend to turn to mush, mush here. We do have a variety that developed at Mississippi State called Dorman Red. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I think it tastes like turpentine. Yeah, um, I don't know what kind of raspberries these are. They taste okay, but they just don't have very much flavor at yeah, all. They, they, you can grow them, but they're subject to diseases. They fall apart when you pick them. I mean, by the time you pick them and put them, before they get to your mouth, they just run down your fingers. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Hey, good good, good luck on those bees. Let's know how, I, let me know how you end up cooking them because it sounds like you're a guy who cares. I am going to pickle them. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Well, taste, uh, you know, eat some, uh, boil some in some butter first and make sure they're sweet enough to pickle. Oh, okay. All okay. right. Good luck Good on thing. it. Thank you. All righty, folks. We got the lines open. The, the name is Felder Rushing. The game is talking about gardening here on MPB. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, things that were going on this past week. I'll put in a new patio on a fence, and it was real nice. Uh, you know, it gives me a whole lot more room. And uh, I mentioned a little bit about it in today's Claire and Ledger, but between Rick Griffin, who's a landscape architect, was some of the the most interesting out-of-the-box, color-outside-the-edge design ideas. And uh, Ronnie DeForest, who is a contractor, comes in, and he can do stuff without a plan. Well, of course, you got to stand there, you know, keep an eye, because if you don't have a plan, it can go in any any direction. Uh, but between them, and I, I got a whole bunch of uh, stone and bricks and stuff like that from the folks at Old South Brick. Um, we have a, I got a new space out there. It's big as elbow room. It's clean. I can take a, a, a hose to it, and, and it's ready to go. And it's just so much more interesting to have a place where you can step out and don't have to worry about your feet. Anyway, a little bit of yard like mine. Uh, even something as, as small as a, a 70 or 80 square foot patio makes all the difference in the world how you enjoy the quality of life of, of your little garden. Uh, while we were doing it, though, I <clears throat> uh, also took a break and went to the farmer's market uh, in Jackson, the old farmer's market. If y'all aren't from Jackson, you know, next time you come here, check this out. There's a, a real farmer's market on Woodrow Wilson. That's the exit to go to University Medical Center. And just across State Street is a big football stadium, and just past it is the old farmer's market. They've only got a couple of stands uh, still left there because a lot of people moved to the new one, which is just open on Saturdays. Anyway, the old farmer's market has got folks who've been selling vegetables and fruits there for literally decades. And uh, they sell what they know people will buy and what they will eat if they have leftovers. So you want some fresh-shelled black-eyed peas or lady peas or some uh, some corn that was picked that morning uh, or, or uh, the peaches that you won't find in a grocery store because they're too succulent to pack. That's a place to go. Anyway, got some stuff for some soup. And uh, I'm sort of bragging here a little bit. I actually... Uh, flavor the soup with herbs that I grew in the back of my pickup truck. I even have a picture of me holding uh, three different kinds of basil. I got big sprigs of rosemary, uh, long strands of oregano, some different kind of kales, uh, two kinds of kale that are going back of my pickup truck. And I have an armload of, of uh, fresh herbs and uh, some leafy greens growing in the back of my pickup truck. And the reason I'm telling you this is because if I can do that in a pickup truck, you can do it in a bucket on your patio. It doesn't take much to grow basil or rosemary or oregano. And uh, they're fun, they're easy. It doesn't take very much, but uh, you, you just, hmm, I don't know how to say this. You just feel better than everybody else when you grow your own stuff. It's not only fresh, and you know who's picked it, but... You know, I grew this. (laughs) Anyway, before I get my arms hurting right here from patting myself on the back, so we're going to take a little break. I'm horticulturist Fella Rushing, and this is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and uh, we're going to be, and I have a question. Uh, I'd like to get somebody's idea. 
The question comes up, eating five vegetables or fruit a day, five a day, does it count if you just eat one can of beans? That's like five servings, ain't it? You have to have five different kinds of things. Can you just eat a can of beans and call it your <laughs> your five a day? I don't know. We're going to come back with more of the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. A little bit of a break. Remember, we got some cheesy music coming up in about 10 minutes, but it's a live program. So give us a call and let's talk about it. one mpb ring I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing. The guy with the big old knot of wasp things on his belly from picking up a blender full of wasp nests. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture is still rushing. would like to uh, correct something I said last week. I didn't have to be. I just re- realized it later. But uh, a fellow was asking about catalpa trees, and I said that uh, the lady named Ms. Curtis Kyle, Ms. Kyle, Send in a picture of her huge catalpa tree, and we and I called her up. We talked about the catalpa worms and catalpa moths and all like that. But anyway, I said she was from Bentonia, and she's not. She's from Benton, and that makes a big difference. So anyway, Ms. Kyle from Benton, appreciate that picture of the big old catalpa tree you've got. Also got a, a, a pictures uh, images sent by Annie McWilliams. She sent me pictures of sensitive briar. And fairy rings. Sensitive briars, a little ground cover, native ground cover. Looks like a little mimosa with little round, furry, pink flowers, like a mimosa tree, except smaller. You touch the leaves and they snap shut. They fold up real, real quick. Sensitive briar. And fairy ring is the fungus that uh, spreads across lawns. And as it spreads, it causes a, a ring, bright green, uh, lush foliage. And then it turns brown. It looks like a circle or a curve in your lawn. And when the weather's right, they send up these nice little white mushrooms. They're poisonous. Don't eat them. But uh, the fairy ring fungus uh, pops up when we have the right kind of moisture and humidity and temperature. And um, and it's just a nice little, they call it fairy ring because they pop up overnight. People say, well, that's where the fairies were partying. But, uh, and there's no control for the disease. There's nothing you can do about a fairy ring in your lawn. Let it just slowly expand and grow on off your yard. But, um, you know, it's just a nice little show. Nice little show. Uh, let's go back to the phone calls. Let's go to uh, Mobile. This is Mike. And, hey, Mikey, I understand that um, you know something about using uh, apple cider for wasp things. The hard way, Felder. Hard cider? <laughs> the hard way. I have learned the hard way. I have a very allergic reaction if I don't get to it. But this has worked not only for me, but recently for my dog. So do you drink it or what? No, you take it and you put it, <laughs> and, and you got to do it really, really quickly, um, as I understand. Now, I think this came from Kathleen Osaka. I don't know. Recently, I don't... you know, um, a lady who, who gives out a lot of good tips, um, Osaka, Mississippi. Yep. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so, just put way, some apple cider on it. Then put some apple cider on it as quickly as you can. Well, I will try. Um, I, I will try that next time. But but I learned to to I pick know, stuff up more carefully. Heart, honey, I know. I know. God, <laughs> you, I mean, you know, what, Mikey, who gets them worse my, than me? My, Mikey, Mikey, this is just part of gardening. Stepping on honeybees and getting stung by wasps and jumping back when you see little spiders and snakes. So that's just part of gardening. But uh, the apple cider trick sounds fun. I appreciate it. All right, let's go to uh, Meridian. Hey, Sue, good morning. Hey, how are you? Fine, fine. What's up? I have a question about sticker grass. Oh, boy. Got any suggestions? It's killing the grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Two two things. Uh, one is is a practical, and other is just a suggestion. The practical thing is stickers are the dried seeds of a dead plant. So by the by the time you start getting stickers, the plant's already dead. The little plants sprout in the fall. They grow over the wintertime, cold weather. They look like little small ferny things, little low-growing ferny ground covers. And uh-huh. then they have the tiniest little flowers in the spring. And then the, the when the seeds dry, that's the stickers. The plant's already dead. So if you want to get rid of stickers, you need to start this now to keep them from happening next year. 
And the two things, one is to do whatever you can to thicken up your grass, because stickers, to me, indicate real thin grass with mostly dirt showing. So if you'll raise your mower to a high setting and then fertilize lightly, just a little bit of fertilizer, those things will thicken up your grass and you'll have fewer sticker plants next fall. Then the second thing is make a note, put it on your refrigerator suit uh, in late December, January, early February. You can spray the plants. If you look for them, they look, look like little ferns. And anything that will kill dandelions or clover will kill the sticker plants while they're small and easy to kill before they start flowering and making stickers. Oh, okay. So, so uh, you, you know, if you got a lot of stickers, that tells me your grandkids are really tromping your grass down, which okay. is not. This is in between the deck and the trampoline. Well, you know, this is the, 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 so. There's not much you can do about thickening your grass up because it just won't take dogs and kids. But if you'll make a note to spray with something for dandelions or clover in like January when the plants are small, and the advice is, first of all. Kids and stickers, that's part of it. Let them learn about stickers and get them some cheap <laughs> flip-flops. Well, we do. We have a pile of flip-flops on the deck. There you go. That's the and best way to deal with stickers. Okay, thank you so okay. much. And, and, and just smile them and hug them and say, you know, this is just part of life. Be careful, sweetheart, and go back outside. Well, if you have a minute, <laughs> I have a fast story about stringy. Okay. Nine-year-old wanted to plant string beans. We planted four four-foot rows. Uh-huh. Now they're fighting over who gets to pick them. Oh, and they're, and they're, they're, you need to let them know they need to be a certain size before they can be picked or else the kid's going to strip the plants. Right, right. <laughs> and then we they have a contest to see who can split the ends of the beans across the yard. As far as they can when they snap the beans. Okay, Sue, so you are raising those grandkids right. And then they put them in olive oil, salt, and pepper, and garlic, roast them on the barbecue, and it's like French fries. They don't want French. They don't want French fries anymore. They want beans. Cool. Now, do you do you grow any kind of herbs like like oregano or basil or rosemary? Well, no, for them, I've just used garlic and oil and salt and pepper. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about in general. If you can get them, take them to, to a garden center and get a, a basil, couple of basil plants, an oregano plant, and rosemary, they can also participate in making pizza and spaghetti. Well, we're waiting for the tomatoes to come out. Okay. All righty. we put those on the pizza well, you're, instead you're, of You're raising those grandkids right, Sue. Ain't it great when you're tired of them, you can send them on home, though. Okay, we got got a scoot. I got some cheesy music coming up in just a second. Let's go down to Macomb. Hey, John, what's happening in Pike County? Oh, look, uh, little fella, I'm, I'm an old mountain boy. I come out of the hills of Tennessee. Uh huh. I got tomatoes, and uh, they have grown so tall, but ain't no tomatoes on them yet. Mm. You got plenty. You got plenty of sunshine, don't you? A couple, couple of things, John, and, and this is this is fairly common, and, and it ain't no telling what the problem is, but the things that cause it, uh, a lot of rain and stretchy, you know, overcast days, they tend to get stretchy, but also, if you're a little heavy-handed with the fertilizer manure or something like that, they would that, that makes some plants real leafy and stretchy, and it keeps them from, from making flowers. They need to be lean and mean. An old country boy from the hills of Tennessee ought to know what lean and mean is. Oh, yes, sir, uh, I'm aware of that. I know that. Yeah. So you know, hold back on the fertilizer. Uh, another thing, John, is uh, this time of year, you can you can plant some some smaller plants in with those other ones, but they have bush type tomatoes. They don't they don't live all summer, but all, most of the time they don't live all summer because of diseases anyway. But go ahead and stick you some little small plants in between the big ones, and that might shame the big ones into doing something. That sounds like that might work. And hold back on the fertilizer. This like salt and pepper. You know, you don't pile it up. You just sprinkle it on. Right, right, right. Oh. All right. All, all right. right. We appreciate yes, it, man. Yes, sir. All righty. Mountain man. Let's go to West Point. Michael, you know, you're in one of the, the, the only stretches of true prairie in Mississippi. Okay. How's it going? And good. What's up? Uh, well, this is my second year doing a garden, and everything this year is going really well except for squash, which I had the same problem last year with my squash. 
it, this last year I actually bought the plants, but this year I started them from seed. Mm-hmm. And they got really big. They got about two feet tall, three feet wide, each plant, a lot of flowers. But the flowers just kept falling off, no fruit. And then just like last year, the stem, the base of the plant at the, at the ground starts to splinter and a yellow mush starts to come out. And yeah. the plants just can't handle the heat and they just die. Yeah. Um, but everything else around them is growing really, really well. So I was just curious what might be going on with the squash. Couple of things: the squash plants. When you even if you plant for seed, they need to have elbow room. You know, you, you want to make sure the plants are. There's not a wad of plants growing out of one spot, uh, because they crowd each other for for energy and all. A uh, little bit of fertilizer, plenty of sunshine, and uh, and a lot of times when they when the uh, do you know the, the difference between male and female flowers on those things? Oh no, I don't. Okay, here's a cool thing to know: male and female flowers on squash and cucumbers and melons—they look alike, you know, the yellow things. But if you'll notice, some are on just a plain old stem. That's a male flower, and some are on the end of what looks like a small squash. That's a female flower. And you got to have okay. them both at the same time, and you got to get pollen from the male flower to the female flower, which is normally done by bees. But you can actually break a male flower off, stem and all. Peel the yellow petals off and got look like look like a mascara brush with yellow pollen on the end. Find an open female flower and dab it on that little curly thing, and it sounds real kinky, but this works. Okay. But, but if your plants are a little bit, if you got too much uh, uh, too much rain or fertilizer, a lot of times early on they'll have almost all male flowers. So make sure you got both open at the same time. If you don't have bees, do the hand pollinating thing. That yellow stuff coming out is caused by an insect. There's a moth that looks like a clear-winged, it looks like a little wasp. But it's a clear-winged moth that flies around, lays eggs on the stem, and their caterpillars burrow in and, this, and kick that yellow, wet, sawdusty-looking stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you start seeing that, you can actually take a straight pin and just stick it into the stem, just stab it. You know, It won't hurt the, the plant, but just stab uh, two or three inches up and down before you see that stuff, and it'll actually kill the caterpillar. Okay. But there's not much else you can do about that. You can also get some of this lightweight bird netting type stuff or, or, or insect netting and, and, and hold over, you know, put it over your plants. And that'll keep the the wasp from getting in there. I mean, the 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 moth from getting in there. But it means you also have to lift up every now and then, do some hand pollinating. Right. Okay. Ain't too late to start some more, Michael. Oh yeah, I, I might do that. Okay. Good luck. By the way, that insect called squash vine borer. Okay, I'll look that up. Thank you. Good luck. Yep. Thanks. righty, y'all. Well, got, we got time to take another call or two before they do the cheesy music. We'll, do, we'll go to Savannah, Tennessee. Hey, Pat, good morning. Good morning. Oh, what's up? This is my first time calling, but I want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, I have, I'm a new gardener, and I'm planting some vegetables. And my question is, in preparation of the soil, is there any substitute I can use in the place of animal manure to get the organic content that I need in my garden? Well, I'm sure. A, I'm a vegetarian, and I don't... Uh, I don't want animals, so is there anything I can use? Well, sure, but, but i got to warn you, you know, a lot of people use compost. Compost and, and manure are basically the same thing, but I hate to tell you this, but compost is worm manure. I know they don't have eyes and brain stems and stuff like that, but <laughs> compost is bacteria, and you know it's all gonna, you know, in other words, you don't have to overdo it. The as far as uh, using compost, that's probably your best bet. You can even start your own leaf pile of compost, but you can buy compost at any garden center and work a little bit. And it doesn't take much, Pat. You know, we're uh-huh. not talking about overdoing the the soil. You can yeah. just add a little stuff to your native dirt, and and that's pretty much it. But anyway, m- m- uh, compost is a perfect substitute for manure. They're the same thing. Oh, I see. One, now, what about the leaves? I have a lot of leaves I'm trying to pick up now and put in bags and food in the bucket. Well, yeah, th- th- you can put those, after you plant things, you put those on top of the ground as a mulch. And what will happen is is they'll work their way into your dirt and compost it for you. Worms co- come up and eat it and take it down around your roots. So if you use those on top of the ground around your plants, next time you dig, just dig them into the dirt, and you're ready to go again. Oh, I see. So I haven't kept my plants in the ground to take those leaves and put around my plants. That's right. That'll keep that'll keep the roots cool and moist. You know, kind of break up the dirt a little bit first, and, and it'll keep yeah. it cool yeah. and moist. And then next time you plant, just dig those in, and you're ready to go. Oh, and I want to use the manure at all. That's right. 
Okay, very good. Appreciate it, sir. Email oh, anytime. Caterpillar, my, my sister want to know what do you do about the caterpillars on your tomatoes? Around your tomatoes. Oh, you just uh, pluck them off and throw them out in the grass and let the <laughs> let the birds figure it out from there. But my my son said that he got up one morning and the caterpillars had covered his tomatoes, was eating them. Oh yeah. And so what can I do to keep them from getting on there and eating them up? That, no, there's nothing you do to keep from getting on there because they come from eggs laid by moths. And you can't keep the moth from laying the eggs. But when you see them, just throw them out in the grass. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate. It. Thanks, Pat. Whew. See, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone there about the compost, but compost is worm manure, and worms are animals too. I'm just uh, amazed that there was two people on the phone. They got a two for one, and the phone lines are jam packed. <laughs> all righty, all righty. Well, I know they're jam packed, but could we, we play our cheesy music, please? This is something uh, because of my wasp thing, and uh, yeah, it was just because it's it's summertime. Here we go. Hey there, little insect. Don't scare me so Don't let Dobby baby and bite me no Hey there little insect please calm down So we can have fun and fool around Hey there little praying badges I've worked up plate each time on my arm you lantus makes me faint. Hey there, little insect, sec, please calm down. So we can have fun and fool around. Look here, I don't want to worry now, Mr. Insect. I don't want to fight. I don't. About a potential insect bite And I don't want to worry So please calm down That we can have fun in full A-Rod Now hey there, a little hornet Buzzing around you Sounds like a warning and it's scaring me. Hey there, little insect, please calm down so we can have fun and fool around. I don't, no way. Now I don't want to worry, so please calm down. So we can have fun and fool around. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Okay, dope folks, welcome back. Horticulturist Fellow Rush. I need some help, and anybody who can help me out can email me uh, with this. Um, uh, our email here is garden at mpbonline.org. I'll get that in just a second. But uh, Erica Pierce from Hammond, Louisiana, says she loves, loves, loves the program. And my perspectives, I'm thinking, whatever, okay. She said, would you help me locate some rose-scented geraniums? A lot of people refer her to the lemon or the citronella fragrance, a little foliage plant, and you crush the leaves, and they, and they, 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 they smell good. Uh, it's an old pass-along plant. She said, I'd be more than happy to trade her swapped, but we're she's she's trying to find some of the true 
rose-scented geranium. If anybody's got some cuttings of something like that, shoot me an email. We'll see if we can figure something out. Rose-scented geranium. Shoot me an email. Our, our uh, uh, email here at MPB for, for this program is garden at mpbonline.org. By the way, she sent me a picture of a, of a metal plant bench. She painted a lovely blue with black-eyed Susan vine on it. She said it's her attempt at replicating the uh, a gorgeous blue bottle tree that she sees all the pl- all the time. Anyway, appreciate that. Anybody can help us with rose-scented geraniums. Um, also, um, Mayor Fitzgerald uh, said that she noticed a couple little birds bringing nest materials to set up house in a hanging basket. Uh-oh. Won't that be a problem with her watering it? Should she discourage them? And the answer is no. Uh, just go ahead and water them, and they'll just think it's raining. You know, try not to do it in a way that disturbs the, the, the bird, but, you know, they're used to rain. It's okay. And, uh, by the way, I was at a garden center the, uh, the other day, and they've got lots and lots and lots of plants that are good cascading plants um, for hanging baskets. The uh, the Silver Falls dichondra, the dichondra called Silver Falls, that's a really good one. The scavola or fan flower are really good cascading plants for hanging baskets. You put them by your porch, so you go by them all the time to remind you to water them because hanging baskets need watering a little bit more often. Let's go back to the phone calls because if we don't get phone calls, I'm going to play some more cheesy music. Let's go to Hernando. Hey, Jane, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. Thanks for calling. What's okay. up? Okay. I just had a question about tomatoes. I'm, I missed getting some spring plants in for April or May and wondered what the procedure would be if I wanted to plant some now. Uh, or, so, go ahead. Plant some what? Tomatoes. Tomatoes, sure. It's no problem. You can plant tomatoes in Hernando up until the 7th of August and still get a harvest before fall. Okay. But uh, Great. Uh, let me let me point a couple of things out. You can plant these in dirt or in pots or what? Uh, dirt. Well, it's kind of a raised garden. Yeah. If you get the tomato plants now, don't don't be tempted to get the great big ones. Get some that are kind of small and succulent and plant them a little on the deep side because tomatoes are the only plant that will actually root up and down the stem, and uh, they'll have a better root system to help them cope with the deep. So plant them a little on the deep side. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Bye. Now, to Laurel. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Hi, good morning. Howdy. What's happening in Jones County? Okay, well, I have a question about fig trees. Mm-hmm. Well, my uh, aunt and uncle were living at this house, and they had the trees, you know, they go up past the roof. Oh, yeah. And so when they moved, she got a friend of hers who has a nursery and asked her would she cut some and put them in a bucket. So she might did about four or five buckets, and I got one. Mm-hmm. And I planted it, and it's like about 12 feet wide and about 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And it makes... You know, figs just all over the place. But this year, I couldn't wait. It was all my there. It started up, and I kind of touched them a little bit. And they were like bricks. They're hard as bricks. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize figs are flowers. If you, you, don't, you know, when you open one up and look on the inside, you can see what I mean. It's an inverted flower. It's right. a, and um, if anything causes the plant to, to, to slow down, drought, too much rain, uh, things like this, that co- the first thing that, that that go on plants could be flowers and fruit, so uh, it's not unusual for the first crop to either drop off or get really really hard, you know, just because of weird weather, and it happens from time to time. I tell you what, if you take one of those figs and throw it at somebody, they will be out like a light. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You try yeah. to eat. Uh, no, I'm just, I go out oh, yeah, in the morning to yeah. sure they do it. That's about all you can do. I mean, yeah. you know, like like I say, weather's going to, sometimes we have heart, but a lot of times if it's an old-fashioned brown turkey fig, it'll put a second crop on. Okay, good. But uh, I, th- I think it's going to be mostly weather, moisture type of related thing. Well, the weather's been kind of peculiar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it has. So let's, let's you know, some year that's the reason we make preserves, because some years yeah. you got them, some years you don't. All okay, right. well, thank you. I just keep watching and doing what I need to do. Okay, Lynn. <laughs> well, I thank- watch them every morning. Appreciate and your And my time. dog and I go down there and look and see what's going on every morning. Well, you know, it gets you all out of the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, see you, <laughs> Lynn. You, Bye now. Let's go to Fayette. Hey, Lily, how are you doing this Hello? morning? Howdy. What's up in Fayette today? I was raised up with um, hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. My mother loved them. Right. And 
I would like to have a yellow one. Hmm. Hers were always blue. And I and I heard you say one day uh, that uh, it had to do with the acidity of the soil or something. Well, so I didn't know if it was something I could add that would uh, turn the hydrangeas yellow. Well, it won't be yellow. Matter of fact, I don't know of any yellow hydrangeas. I, I don't know of any. Um, uh, there, there's a new variety called limelight. This sort of a lime green yellow, but uh, is it? I just don't know of any yellow hydrangeas. Um, but anyway, to to answer your question, if you say you want them blue or you want them pink, oh no, oh you want I, them I yellow. Really was interested in yellow. Okay, you know, I don't something as close to that as I could get. Okay, I'm just not familiar with any hydrangeas that's yellow. I mean, I've seen hydrangeas all over the world, so I'm not sure what it. You know, I wonder if it's something else that was yellow because they're normally either blue or pink or white. Um, was that something that's uh, puffy, round and puffy, like the hydrangea that would come in yellow? Hang on. Um, there, there's, there are some things like that. There's um, a plant called a viburnum that's got yellowish flowers. Uh, you know the snowball, snowball viburnum. Okay. You know, and but that's a whole different plant. Um, you know, and and they sort of, you know, their 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 flowers are, you know, you can barely put your hands around them. They're round flowers. Okay. Oh, but, that uh, great. but you know, so um, do you do email? Yes. Send me an email if you would, and let me do some head scratching because uh, I don't know if any way you can take a pink or a or a blue hydrangea and make it yellow. But uh, let me see if I can come up with some other plants. That might have been something your mother planted because I'm I'm old, pass along plant guy, raised by garden club ladies, and I've seen uh, spent a lot of time, including Fayette, Port Gibson, all up and down that side of the state. And uh, let me see if we can come up with something that that that'll look like that. Okay, that would be great. Okay, Lily, our, our email is garden at mpbonline.org or for organization. But if you'll shoot me an email, let's see what we can come up with. Is that all lowercase? It doesn't matter. Computer can't okay. tell on that particular one. And <laughs> okay. yeah, but you but 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 you never know, right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks, Lily. Let's see what yeah. we can come up with. Be glad to help you any way I can. All righty now let's go uh I got some cheesy humidity music I might want to play in a second, but let's talk to Harry and Madison. Hey Harry, good morning. Felder. What's up? Uh, I've got a pear tree with fire blight on it. Yep. And I've been cutting back branches, but I'm starting to run out of branches. Am yep. I, am I losing the tree? Could do. And by the way, I've read about pruning uh, fire blight out of pears all of my career, and it's a bunch of hooey. You know, uh, horticulture scientists have a hard time of saying, don't do nothing, just ignore it. because And they're going to come... They're going to come with all. See, here's the problem: the bacteria spread by bees to flowers, and it and it kills the new growth. But the bacteria can spread two or three or four inches under the bark into healthy tissue. So when you prune it out, a lot of times you're just moving it on your pruning shears to the next cut. So um, you know, the, 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 there's not. In other words, pruning most of the time really doesn't help that much. So. Yeah, that, that's that's what I would do. And then next spring, you know, you go to any garden center, they got this stuff, in the, and I'm not making this up. The name of the brand is Fire Blight Spray. That's what it's called. And it's streptomycin. You can spray it on the flowers two or three times while they're in full bloom. It puts a protective film on the flower to keep the bacteria from, from getting into the flower. And that's your best bet. It's just Fire Blight Spray two or three times while the trees are in full bloom. It won't hurt the bees, but that's about it. Anything okay. else is just an exercise in horticulture is not being able to say, find something else to do. It's too hot. Well, it is too hot. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. All right, Felder. Good I'll luck. All righty. Uh, by the way, they're they're having a, 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 a pest management workshop at the Oxford Community Garden. Oxford Community Garden is a cool little place here in Oxford. Uh, but this coming Saturday on uh, June the 17th at noon, they're going to have a program at the Oxford Community Center. It's, it's free, sponsored by the Oxford, Oxford Community Garden. Uh, a guy named Jeff Wilson from MSU, he's an extension specialist. Uh, Dr. Wilson is going to be talking about pest diseases and insects and tomatoes and other vegetables. Again, that's free at the Oxford Community Center uh, uh, Garden there in Oxford. It's coming Saturday, June the 17th at noon. Hope y'all, 
uh, can make it. If you have some other things, uh, anything garden-related, I love to share upcoming garden events. If you got any, call us or shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, right now, we got the lines wide open, and what, when that happens, we play cheesy music. I'm horticulturist fellow Rush. You got our number, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Let's see if we can load the lines up before the end of the program. Humidity is relative, but relative to what? If I were quizzed on what it is, then I'd be on the spot. So just in case to save my face, I'll look it up today. And then if someone brings it up, I'll casually say... Humidity is the amount of moisture in the air. Relative humidity is the percentage of water vapor actually in the air compared with the most that the air could hold at each temperature. say it's not the heat but the humidity i won't be quite as hot and bothered as i used to be that's what i'm saying folks don't make me play this kind of music don't make me java you know i i got an unending supply of this kind of stuff but you hear the phones. You hear the phones. <laughs> that's, that's right. Please, Mr. Rush, you don't be playing that music anymore. By the way, I was at, uh, I, I got this new uh, patio made and uh, off of my, my sunroom, which is a little smaller. It's only eight feet by eight feet, but it seemed like a huge room when you live in a little cabin like me. But I put an old screen door on it. I went out looking for an old screen door. And, you know, I don't say anything, but I got a brag on this place called Old House Depot in Jackson down by the fairgrounds. And they got stacks of old stuff. And I got one of these big old heavy screen doors. And we hung it so that when it closes, it makes a little slap, slap, slap sound. Nice heavy screen door. You can't buy old stuff like that. You got to go find it. And, and I appreciate how those folks will go out and find it for me. Now, let's go, go to Madison. Libby, thank you for calling. What's up? Hey. Yeah. Um, well, I have literally hundreds of little baby oak trees growing up in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time it's ever happened. We have oak trees, but I guess with all the rain and all, yep. they just fell and it got rained down and rained down and fertile ground. And I pin-picked all of them <laughs> out of my flower beds, but I'm not taking on the backyard. And yeah. I don't know what you do. My husband's running over them with the mower, but they pop right back up. Well, I, I have a neighbor who's, who has a post oak tree. That's kind of the great big leaves, kind of a gnarly-looking, creepy-looking old tree at night. And I think every acorn that falls in my yard turns into a little oak tree. And her yard is completely covered with oak trees every spring, little oak seedlings. Uh, we, we had a really good, what they call a mast crop last year, a lot of good uh, acorns and stuff, and perfect conditions for them to grow this spring. So uh, anyway, to answer your question, mowing is the best you can do. You know, really, if, if you'll just, I, I know it's not, it's not any fun, but uh, there's no way you can pull them all. And if you mow them two or three times, they quickly run out of energy because those leaves are energy factories. And by mowing them, you don't even have to mow them close. Just mow at regular height because if you got shade, that tells me he needs to be mowing high anyway. But if you'll just mm-hmm. mow them, they'll peter out real quick. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Name. And uh, and you, great you and you know that you, when they're in your your flower bed, you need to pull them while they're young, or else they will take root and pull your wrist off. Right, and it's been <laughs> wet enough lately; it's been easy to pull them off. It's kind of yeah, satisfying in a way. It's kind of satisfying, but anyway, I, I I pull them in the spring before they get too too well rooted. And uh, if you'll just keep us more high, because you've got grass in the backyard and it's shady, he needs to mow high. And whether you or okay. he likes it, that's what the grass needs, and it'll peter him out. Okay. Do you have time for one more question? Or sure. Do you on? Keep it okay. quick. I also had a gorgeous um, hibiscus in a mm. big pot in my backyard. It's uh-huh. solid blooms and buds, and the leaves are yellow falling off. If it's the older leaves, that's normal. They turn yellow before they fall off. As long as it's got new growth on the ends of the branches, you're okay. But give it half-strength okay. half fertilizer, just half-strength, and water them where they need. But uh, if it's the older leaves falling, they turn bright yellow before they fall. Okay. All righty. Good luck on it. Thanks. All righty. Okay. Let's go to Louisville. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up? 
Hey, um, I'm from Long Beach, and I planted a uh, satsuma tree in my yard after Katrina. Mm-hmm. And it it has grown up very mature, but at some point it froze and it went back to being that rootstock stuff. Yep. And uh, I, it, I've got a very mature rootstock with very mature. It's producing these wild things that don't taste very good and have a lot of seeds. A lot of seeds, furry little things. Uh, can I turn it back into a satsuma? Nope, nope. The only way you can do that is cut that part off and graft a satsuma on top of it. Because it's the rootstock that's probably... Yeah, can you graft a whole one that big? No, but you have to graft little small pieces of satsuma on the branches of that. So, uh, you know, that's that's best we can do. That's the best I can do. Yep. So, about, what's the biggest branch around diameter you think it'll take a graft? Oh, you you can cut it off to just a trunk and put, put grafts of satsuma around the edge of that if you want to. But it grafts are just under the bark. But it'd be better just to get you new satsuma, okay? I mean, seriously. So, anyway, so we're almost out of time, so let's go to Olive Branch. Hey, Michelle, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. We're running out of time, though, but what's up? I got golden urine nominus, and I know I'm not pronouncing them yeah. right. It's say, got little you, white specks all over them. Yeah, euonymus. And if I touch the parts that are dead and don't have any leaves on them, if I touch the branches, they just... Literally shatter and fall off. Yeah, yeah. This is a type of insect called scale. Believe it or not, it's a bug. What you yeah. can do is you can cut those parts back really, really far. That gets rid of the scale, and the new growth will come out nice and clean and fast. Okay, perfect. That's, that's, your, that, that's your best approach. Good luck on it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, I think we got time. Sam, we're at the end of the program. What's up? You're in Tupelo. Hey, yeah. Um, all right, so I was out walking my dog, and... We're, uh, we're running out of time. You, okay, you know, the, you know that ground salad stuff? Oh. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like spinach. No. Oh, there's, there's too many plants that look like that, man. <laughs> you, you, you got, you got, a, you got a, a phone with a camera on it? Yeah, I do. Shoot me a picture, Sam. Okay, I'll if, do it. If you can find one with a flower on it, that's even better. Because okay. there's too many things that what I would call ground salad might uh-huh. not be ground salad. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shoot me All a right. picture, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Got a lot of emails this week. I've caught up on all of them, I think. If not, shoot me another one. But shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. The Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer, laid back but hardworking Java Chapman. We got Patrick P. himself being the phone greeter. Uh, I'm your host, Felder Rushing. I'll be thinking of all of y'all as we get out and wrap up a few eyes in this beautiful Father's Day weekend. Hope your garden fares well, fares well and your plants are cool and mosquito root. <laughs> take a kid to a farmer's market take a kid to a garden center show them how to do what we do best and celebrate your dad and let's go out and let's all get dirty 